Yeah, man. <laughs> What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, your homeboy, Rodrigo Torres, back in the mix. Happy New Year to everybody. We uh, turned the page on the calendar to January, and look what you got. Another year of life. That's right, man. Hope you guys are doing well, all well. Sorry for the uh, absence, or may I say, uh, please excuse me. I'm not going to lie to you guys, man. i just been in fucking holiday mode still since, uh, since like, Thanksgiving, dude. And since I went to Yosemite, since I went to Sequoia's. I mean, I've been doing a lot of shit going to Universal Studios. Uh, oh, yeah. And a shout-out to everybody that went to the show at uh, Flappers in um, Claremont, California, on the 29th. Uh, shout-out to all the comics that were on the show. Uh, Martin Rizzo. <laughs> Rizzo. <laughs> Martin Rizzo. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, Johnny Roque uh, and Gracie Armijo and myself, Rodrigo Torres. So, yeah, man, thank you very much for coming out. We're going to have more of those shows. Um, other than that, what uh, what else? Uh, happy New Year. Happy fucking New Year. Hell, yeah, man. This is your year to shine, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. So, hope you guys are fucking cool, man. Uh, yeah, man, I've been cool, man, but uh, I don't know, man. I've just been fucking in la-la land lately, dude. I've just been fucking chilling, dude. I guess you know what I mean? Just fucking hanging, chilling, having fun, eating. Got all tamales out. <laughs> and it's cool. I had some good tamales uh, this year. Um, tamales, bro. Sorry, man. Sorry, uh, uh, pronunciation checker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Fucking, I had a, yeah, I had a group of tamales, dude. Uh, all different types. Uh, my mom made some this year. She does hers, uh, um, she ties them at the ends, and, uh, that way the steam doesn't get out or whatnot. And, uh, she always puts, like, a couple little sl slices of, uh, potato, like, fry size, and a uh, little green olive. And she made chicken ones. Uh, one week in the uh, Christmas weekend, uh, she made, uh, pork ones. Si, 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 ni, si, de carne de puerco. Los de gallinas son buenos, pero ustedes saben. Se ponen un poco secos, no? And me, I like tamales, like, fresh. That's the best when they come out of the pot. They're all ready to go, man. I don't like reheating shit just because it's just not the same. It's not as fresh. Also, I had uh, vegan tamales, um, with the jackfruit, uh, meat. They were pretty good. Um, they were, <laughs> what a dick, huh? They were pretty good. <laughs> no, <laughs> they were good, man. Um, uh, and, uh, Felipe's wife made those, uh, Lisa. So, uh, shout out to her. They were real good. When we did the last year episode of, uh, the podcast, uh, we had, uh, we had, uh, everybody there. Um, we had Flacco there. Martin Rizzo was there. Fred Stoller. Yeah, Freddie. Yeah, I am from Brooklyn. I do the voice of uh, Handy Manny. Uh, yeah, on the show, on the hammer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to Dr. Drew's house and the food was cold. <laughs> that fool was there. Toby Hicks was there. Oh, I got cold toes. Nebraska's finest. And uh, myself and Felipe, so it was cool. And then uh, shout out to uh, Honest John. Fuck. Shout out to the fucking world. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, he, he was on last week. You guys can check out the What's Up Full podcast available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, iTunes. Um, or wherever uh, podcasts are available. So, yeah, we close out the year. Uh, this is the 20th episode today. Uh, speaking of uh, 20th, uh, I'll be on uh, the show, uh, Felipe's shows. He has two shows at the Novo in uh, 
downtown LA, right there, the Novo by Microsoft. It's formerly uh, Club Nokia, and we're going to be there Saturday, January 21st. The first show, I think, is at 7 p.m. That's sold out. 7 or 8, um, that's sold out. The first show sold out. There's still tickets available for the uh, 10 p.m. show, and uh, that's brought to you by uh, the Riot LA Comedy Fest and uh, Golden Voice, and tickets are available at AX s.com and uh i'll be hosting the show and then we have the uh, the great uh, dean edwards will be featuring and uh, the man himself uh felipe esparza be headlining his show so uh it'll be a monumental night so uh you guys uh, they haven't got tickets already uh they are available for the second show only still um i checked uh, i think yesterday so uh yeah man that'll be uh, totally cool and also um i will be uh this week yeah this week esta semana <laughs> Got to throw in a little Spanish in there, bruh. You know what I'm saying? Um, Thursday, January January uh, 12th, <laughs> I'll be there at, I'll be there where, fool? Um, where are you going to be at, Holmes? Orale. Um, at the Ontario Improv uh, with none other than uh, Edwin San Juan. And uh, Frankie Quinones will be uh, featuring that show. I'll be hosting that show, too. And that's this Thursday at the Ontario Improv with Edwin San Juan. That's right, the funky Filipino. Puck you, as he says. <laughs> and uh, tickets are available at uh, Ontario.improv.com. And that's uh, this uh, Thursday, uh, January 12th, which is my birthday, by the way. So if you guys want to come celebrate to my birthday show, man, uh, show up at the Ontario Improv at 8 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, man, I've been, I have been having a good time, man. I'll be honest with you guys. Um, i just been hanging out with my girlfriend, dude. I mean, I, we do the podcast. um um the what's up full podcast and uh my podcast um which has been on a sabbatical but uh uh i'm gonna be doing them dude you got a lot of uh, great guests uh, lined up i was gonna uh, put them out uh before uh uh the new year uh these uh, last two episodes um but i didn't i was just dude i just been having fun dude hanging out with my girlfriend uh we went to my folks house christmas her folks house and it's uh it's pretty cool man i've never been uh uh i've never been uh feeling like this she makes me feel real good dude um you know everybody needs a a friend in their life you know what i mean of the opposite sex so uh best friend and um yeah dude i'm in a very good place right now and uh yeah so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i feel fucking good you know it's fucking cold outside it's raining um and a lot of stuff's going on in the world. There'll be a comedy show, too, on January 20th. Yeah, um, it'll, uh, if you don't know, it's going to be uh, the inaugura- inauguration. This full. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, other than that, uh, that's it, man. I've been chilling, dude. I've been good. And we're going to get ready to go back to work, man. Like, for real, let's fucking uh, grind hard this fucking year and get uh, everything we wish we uh desire that's kind of like a double entendre right everything we wish and desire everything we desire everything we wish for and uh everybody be cool man to each other it's funny man uh i really trip out when people are fucking dickheads and i don't i don't get it dude i mean i'm not gonna lie and act like i'm a fucking saint or uh was a saint always i I was a jerk i'm not gonna lie i can remember some jerk moves i pulled in the past but that's a past you know what i'm saying and uh i just strive just to be a better person dude and uh oh also you know i don't and i wouldn't be all of those shitty ass fucking um uh those shitty uh you know uh new year's uh new year's resolutions and shit i don't and i don't have one this year you know this year i'm not gonna stop smoking pot i'm gonna stop drinking you know gonna get back into shape but i will say this that ever <laughs> since like uh uh thanksgiving i've been eating like a fucking hog man all types of shit and that's the thing you know when you uh with your girl you know you go out you try all types of little restaurants and drinks and uh you know 
different uh, types of beers. And my favorite beer of last year, I will add, is uh, and this ain't an ad, um, is uh, by Sc- Ballast Point Sculpin IPA, uh, watermelon uh, Dorado. It's a double IPA, dude. This fucking beer is bomb as fuck. But I discovered it in the summertime because it's hot as fuck. I was like, dude, I want something different. You know what I mean? I mean, and I love IPAs, dude. And I'll tell you the story behind my uh, affinity for uh, IPAs now, which are uh, India Pale Ales. And, um, dude, I went to the Deftone show at uh, the Greek. It was in uh, 2013, in, uh, in November 2013. And uh, Glassjaw opened for him. We've seen a little bit of them. And then we've seen the Deftones. They were fucking phenomenal. And one of our homies works for him. So we went backstage and shit and chilling. Those dudes were fucking cool as fuck. And it's also my favorite band ever. But these fools had a lot of IPA beers, those uh, Stone IPAs. And that's, and they go good with the mad blunts, you know what I'm saying, and mad joints. We were uh, inside the uh, bass player's uh, backstage room. And, uh, dude, they were just fucking nothing but nonstop puffing, dude. Just mad, like passing around joints, bowls, fucking... Breaking up a fucking uh, an Optimo, fucking stuffing mad butt in there and fucking ripping it up and lighting it up. It was fucking cool, man. Uh, that's and so it was that night that I I, I drank IPAs before, but I kind of didn't like the taste. It, tr- it tastes like kind of trees and shit. But that particular night, the shit went good and uh, it went and uh, mixed in with the bud. Yeah, motherfucker, now past the bud. So that's why I like uh, IPAs. But yeah, that fucking um, that ballast point uh, sculpin that uh, watermelon Dorado and it's a double IPA. It's at ten percent, dude. So you know what I mean after you drink six of those, you'd be looking at your uh, chick going, "I love you, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude too much information <laughs> and that's the thing and uh everybody that hits me up on instagram and um through messenger you know and it's it's kind of funny you put your life out there i've always been a fucking private dude i mean pretty much you know what i mean i, I come from a family my dad's like what, what the fuck you want to be a comedian for you ain't black what the fuck you're mexican you work that's it what the fuck what's this fucking uh, what, what's this trying to fucking be a clown motherfucker get a job get a career what the fuck you doing and um uh, so I, I, I never, you know, put myself out there, out there, out there. You know what I mean? It's just weird. I'm just not like, I was always a shy dude. You can ask my homie Shane Borwick that I'll have on the podcast later on. And he'll tell you, Hey dude, fucking how was Rodrigo when he was a kid? Quiet, dude. Very quiet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So it's through comedy, dude. And, um, you know, one of the reasons doing it is, uh, I wanted to get, get over a fear of speaking in public, even in college when they would call on me, I'd just fucking freak. And you know what I mean? It's fucking shaking in my boots, you know, answering all fucking panicky and shit, just full of anxiety and stuttering and talking, you know. Now it seems like it's easy and it's fucking second, second nature. Uh, I mean, what you're hearing on the other side or whatnot. But yeah, there was a time where I was like, fuck that. I don't want to be all fucking exposed and shit. And I'm like, a, like the music I listen to is like punk rock background. You know, that's what I started uh, listening to in high school and shit uh, at the end of the eighth grade. So that's all I DUI and like, yo, fuck the system, mate. You know what I mean? Like, fuck society and like, you know, being rejected and shit like that. Like, you know, just fucking shit up, but not being out there like being a poser or a fucking, you know what I mean? Like a shopping mall punk or cheesy or trendy. You know what I mean? I was always against all that shit. But comedy's uh, turned me into a different dude, man. These are different times, you know? And uh, yeah, back to that comedy show on the 20th, man. And that's the thing, man. I didn't, uh, I know a lot of people were all uh, on online and shit on Facebook or other like uh, uh, social media outlets and people got uh, all emotional over this uh, election thing, uh, the result, you know what I mean? And uh, I didn't say shit, dude. And uh, it kind of surprised me, dude. I mean, honestly, man, you know, it's just the pendulums uh, going to the other side, but I was really surprised that Homeboy won, man. 
um hey man i respect um the office of the president but i'll be honest with you for the first time in my life dude i'm gonna be uh after an inauguration day i'm not gonna have respect for that person that's in that office regardless of the fact he was just some fucking dickhead rich kid as far as i'm concerned regardless if he's 70 years old and just a shit he said dude and i'm i'll be honest with you guys man like when he said that shit about mexicans i got fucking pissed it's like motherfucker fuck you it's like not cool to say shit like that. You know what I mean? And it makes you think it's like grow up, motherfucker. And it's like you're 70. So, but on the other side, I look at, you know, how Homegirl lost. And she was just like, uh, it's funny because they thought they had it in the bag, dude. They thought they had that election in the bag. You know, you can go ahead and say, you know, you can discontinue the theory of white privilege because, you know, Homegirl didn't get her white privilege that day. She, she came back the next day giving her a concession speech and shit. <laughs> looking like the jordan meme <laughs> but hey man i guess people are tired of uh the other side you know and that's what happens dude maybe homeboy will go in there and have a okay four years or terrible four years and not do as he says you know tweet his ass away and when he should be working and uh you know we get back to the other side uh maybe not you know who knows but no matter what happens, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, even though if it matters, you know, it's just a bunch of hype, a bunch of hoopla, you know, who knows, you know, I don't even know, you know, it's crazy, you know, <laughs> so man, that's all dude, and I, I ain't taking either side, fuck all that shit, dude, and even though, <laughs> and even when you get pissed at what shit people say, just like depersonalize that shit, you know what I mean, because not directed at you, but it just like, you know, rallying the masses, and it was just like, you know what I mean, um, I'm surprised when like gay people were all supporting him, you know, man? dick suckers for Trump <laughs> or like, you know, a little bit of black people and then like handful of Latinos and shit, Latinos for Trump. And especially when they look like they should be on like an Aztec calendar. You know what I mean? It's like, damn dude, not only, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it, but, uh, it's time to, time to, uh, um, introduce uh this next guest this is episode number 20 of the yeah man podcast this next gentleman uh that we are uh bringing up uh uh he's a cool dude man i met this guy a couple years back uh, he booked me at his uh goonie show in inglewood that's where he grew up he's a cool dude a latino dude um but one again um like all latino dudes mexican dudes uh or mexican people uh, uh per se uh not everybody speaks spanish and shit and there's you know some hardcore militant uh mexicans out there hey dog if he doesn't speak spanish fuck that fool dog he's not keeping it real dog you know what i'm saying dog <laughs> but this guy's a cool dude he booked me for his goonies comedy show back in uh a couple years back dude and uh he always had a cool little story because his grandfather was like a news dude man and uh he interviewed a, a bunch of uh people man like uh in the spanish media too and you know even like uh fidel castro so uh this guy always kept it cool um he has his show now it's a uh, the goonie show um at the west side comedy theater i think they do it once a month and that's on one three two three uh dash a third street promenade in santa monica california and uh check that out and you can get a hold of this gentleman and um i'll tell you all that stuff at the end of the podcast but nevertheless uh this dude is a cool dude and uh you guys uh will enjoy it man uh please welcome mr uh ben gonzalez yeah man Burden down, down by the riverside. 
What up, Ben Gonzalez? What's crackalacking? What's up, senor? Thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's all good, dude. Fucking, uh, it's been a long time coming. You're over here fucking, uh, battling your fucking injuries. You got the fucking Wounded Warrior Project over here. Fucking pulled out a, a, what do you, would you get a wisdom tooth pulled out? Wisdom tooth pulled out right now. Pulled out all my wisdom, dog. Mm Mm-hmm. Dumber than ever. Now I'm going to be really dumb because they gave me, uh, CBD gummies. Who gave it to you, the dentist? Nah, the store, bro. That'd be a hell of a dentist. Yeah, I was like, dude, that's a cool ass dentist. Yeah, you know, they real. gave me. I mean, fucking, I put two and two together. And fucking these, negative over here on this You're fucking side. Need these gummies. What's cracking, fool? Yeah, all this, all this right now, man. Recommended dosage: start with a quarter gummy and wait one hour. Damn, one okay. hour from a quarter gummy for one hour. What's yeah. the fucking milligrams on that, dude? I don't even see. Damn, it doesn't even... Oh, wait, 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 no. This is a fucking two crossbones in the skull four, or what? Four milligrams. That's it? Of THC and 35 milligrams of CBD. Okay, that's fucking... That's All like right. technical fucking... Uh, Seriously. Technical talk, dude. Times have changed, Rodrigo. I know, man. Times have changed. So what up with the holidays? You got your fucking shopping done? What the fuck is cracking in the fucking I wait till the world last of Ben Gonzalez? I wait till the last minute. You an internet guy? Do you get all your stuff on the internet or you go to the stores? You're a physical dude. Got to be around the people. I was physical before and now I accidentally, I didn't cancel the Amazon Prime in time. So I got <laughs> stuck with the Amazon Prime. So Another now year? Make, now I just make the use of it. I did it twice. Not just one year, two years. I made the same mistake. Yeah, dude. I'm not yep. a follower of the Amazon Prime yet, dude. And I wasn't even taking advantage of the TV service or nothing. Man. Oh, really? I was still paying for direct TV every month, even though I had Amazon Prime. <laughs> they got yeah, you by the man. balls, dog. Yeah, man. I make mistakes, Rodrigo. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, not awesome that you make mistakes, but I mean, it's awesome <laughs> that you got Amazon Prime, Only dude. Human. Yeah. Everybody's fucking hooting and hollering yeah, about that shit. You know what I'm saying? You might as well use it. And this ain't a commercial, by the way, folks. <laughs> they rope you in. It's not a commercial at all. This is a cautionary tale, my friends. Cautionary <laughs> tale. 30-day free trial. Like, all right, cool, man. I'm going to get a bunch of shit shipped. You know, I can watch TV or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. On, you know, on, yeah. And you forget about it, man. Oh, yeah. You got to be on your fucking toes, dude. I'm bad with that, dog. That's what I'm saying. I did it two years in a row. I'm a two-time offender. Amazon Prime got me and took me. (laughs) took me. Two years of life up in this Remember AOL used to do that. I, I, I remember it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember, uh, was it at Starbucks or who the f- Oh, no, 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 no. At uh, Best Buy. They used to hand out the um, the CDs, the AOL CDs. Yeah. I don't know who the fuck I was talking five days. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. But uh, my folks had PacBell, so that's what we did it through. Uh, it was PacBell.net. I never Damn. did the AOL thing, you know, but it was always it was some dial throwbacks. up. Yeah, fuck yeah. It was dial up like a motherfucker, though. It's like right. you get the little phone call, and then the audience, ah. Once you get on, got on, slow as fuck, dude. Man, shout out to the old school internet. Yeah, man. Prodigy <laughs> in the building. Well, yeah, it used dude. Used to be Earthlink. Earthlink, dude. Yeah, dude. So what's cracking, dude? Where are you? You're from. Um, you're from. Uh, stand up. How long have you been doing stand up for, dude? Doing stand up for five and a half years. Okay, man. five and a half years. I met you what, like what, two, three years ago? Uh, your show in Inglewood, the original Goonie yeah, show that was yeah. like doing really, really well. Yeah, yeah, that's right, man. I had seen you around before then at Sunset, I think. Okay. And uh, yeah, Sunset over there in uh, I was yes, gonna say Hermosa, no, motherfucker, no, Hacienda. No, 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 the other H. <laughs> yeah. And what's the deal with that show, that Goonie show, when you started it? How'd you, how'd you get that shit fucking uh, propped up? Like, how'd you get it running? How'd you get it successful? Because it was like man. it was a cool little fucking venue. Bring your own beer type shit. You had pizza there. 
I got lucky, man. Ice chest and shit. It was a kind of like a community theater, but not really. There's like a small theater company of uh, like older black actors that did like civil rights plays. Okay. And so they'd put on these plays like matinees and nobody would come. (laughs) And they didn't know what to do with the rest of the night or with the the rest of their nights. And that's what that building or that fucking thing was used for always? That's his performance? As far as I knew it. In Inglewood, That was it. That's how it was set up. It had the stage, the lighting and everything. I was like, all right, this is dope. They gave look me a up, chance. You looked know like a marionette theater or some shit. Yeah, all old it school. Was small. It was like yeah, totally. it was like thirty five seats. All right. And you, you went over there and tried to get the room from those dudes? Yeah, or? they they asked me if I wanted to do something there. You lived in the neighborhood or what the fuck? How'd you yeah, get there, in contact with Yeah, There was with those a guy dudes? that uh acted with them that also produced comedy shows. I don't remember if you remember that dude Julian Vasquez. Yeah, he, that he, name he, sounds he, familiar. He's an old Marine. <laughs> and he he man, he had like Hoorah. I mean, shout out to Julian, but yeah. We had differences of our styles oh, okay. <laughs> of comedy, you know what I mean? So you guys weren't yeah. partnered up or anything? You guys just... I mean, we, we started out, I mean, I did a couple of things with him because we were trying to help out another older dude that had a room down there in Orange County, Rico Fisher. Man, I'm dropping all these old names of Orange Orange County kingpins of 2011. <laughs> said, Orange County 2012, kingpins. 2012, you know? Now we're selling safety yeah, pins. Yeah, for real. <laughs> things have changed. Um, yeah, so... That dude asked me if I wanted to try something there. And, I mean, like, you remember that, that room? It was, like, off of La Brea. It was, like, a tiny street. It had right, no, right. no signage outside. It was, like, you would miss it, you know, 99 times out of 100. So there's no customers there. It's not a bar. There's no street traffic. There's nothing. Right. So that's why I started as a mic. Almost industrial looking. Huh? Almost, yeah. So I started as a mic just to get people to come in. And it blew up really fast. Like people came in, but audience came in too. And like, I mean, you remember that that first time you were there? there was, oh yeah, it was, it was like packed. It was banging, it, dude. Yeah, it was fun. It didn't seem like a mic at all. And that bit, and that audience, did you bring them in, or was they they kind of find it? Uh, I brought them initially, and then they kind of built it on their own. Okay. From that, because you know, I mean, if you put one hot show together and people really love it, and it's different, right? Because that was a lot of elements to that room. The room itself was dope. It was BYOB. Initially, when it was a mic, it was free, and it was, like, straight underground. There was no security. There was no staff. It was just, like, me and the people. You know what I mean? It was fun, man. I would love to do that any time that I could. You provided the sound system and all that, or was it in-house? Nah, we provided it. Okay. Yeah, we put it together. It was Julian stuff at first, and then I got some stuff later. Um, What changed it, where I had to make it into a book show, was uh, they wanted to start charging me for the room once they saw that it was working <laughs> and it was successful? They're like, "You're gonna Excuse give me us, band, baby. Yeah, let me talk right? to you for a second. So they wanted fifty bucks a night. Oh shit! You know what I mean? So I made it a five dollar cover, and uh, you know we get like thirty people in there. I get like hundred and fifty bucks. I buy pizza, right? The money and I remember everybody, that. and then pay the rest of the comics. Okay, you know totally. I mean? It was it was fun, man. It was a good deal. What wound up happening was it got so popular, the police were noticing it. And the city noticed it. And that theater company had never applied for a performance permit or in even the city a, to have a live performance venue. Or a business license, none of that stuff. None of that really, man. They were just the theater and nobody was going. You <laughs> know what I mean? So I kind of got the, I kind of had them lose their theater because of my show. <laughs> because then they hit them up to apply for a license and they like stumbled on the application fee. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, dude. And they're like, the license got denied. And they're like, they folded out of there. Really? I think, I think they might still be running their company out of somewhere else or their theater group out of somewhere else now. But yeah, they moved out of that place. They actually owe me a hundred bucks. <laughs> they still owe me for two weeks. 
That's hilarious. Yeah, man, dude. We were abruptly canceled after like 20 shows. And those shows went deep, man. I got still some opportunities coming to me from that show from 2014. Oh, damn. You know what I mean, like, like Laugh Factory had offered me a night. Back oh, then. really? Yeah. Because like, they heard it was popping or like. It came. Really? Yeah. Who was they, it, dude? They came at night. It was, uh, I can't remember his last name, Frank. I might still have his, uh, it, it was Long Beach Laugh Factory. Oh, okay. The marketing okay. director. Oh, right on. Came and saw the show. And that night that he came, I had, I had Melissa on, Melissa Villasenor. Yeah, I was there that night. Yeah, you were there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Alfred, um, yeah, Matt Champagne, Chris Strait. It was, I don't know. It was, it was a real good show that night. I think Omid Singh was there. Uh, it, it was a hell of a show. And uh, he pulled me aside and offered me a night. And then the more I talked to, uh, talked to him about it, like, more. if you're not already past the Laugh Factory, they're not just trying to throw you a night, really. Oh, they're only going to bring people I mean? there to fucking buy drinks. Yeah, <laughs> ex- exa- exactly. You know what I mean? And, it, and when the details got hashed out, because I was new still, too, man. This like, I was, like, less than three years in. At that time? At that time, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it turned out they didn't want me to book the lineups. They didn't want me to host. I was like, I'm just producing. Yeah, you know so I mean? it didn't feel like there was enough in it for me. Oh, and for sure. Plus, that club is huge. Oh, it's fucking enormous. And it got some upstairs. Exactly. And I was running a 35 seat room, so you saw me pack out a 35 seat room. That's easy, man. Like here, do that times 10. <laughs> Over here, it's like no, you know. Right here by the Ferris yeah. wheel and shit. Yeah, I mean, it's the greatest club. You know, it's a great club. I would love to have been a part of it, but. At that point, it would have just been like taking on too much too soon. Right. And then you not being I mean? a part of the whole show itself, dude. So it's kind of like not wor- worth it. Even if it I in worked my way into it, because there were other comics that do stuff with Laugh Factory that told me that it was a big mistake and I should have done it. Oh, what you did? Should, yeah. Turning them down? I should have just taken whatever they, whatever they offered me and just worked my way in. But I don't know. Even at that time, I just didn't even feel like that ready for it. Okay. You know what I mean, I think a lot of times people make that mistake and they bite off more than they can chew. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you know you know were mean? still humble, yeah, realizing what it was. Yeah, man. You can be, be easily overwhelmed. Yeah, you know? And before you know it, you do one, two shows and it's done. Exactly. And then you don't concentrate on your other show, and that's done too. Yep. And how'd you come up with the name of the Goonies, the the theme? Honestly, dude. A big fan of fucking Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's creation people, or what? People always think that, and people tag me in Goonie stuff all the time or post pictures on my wall on Facebook and everything with it. But honestly, I was trying to think of a cool name for a Mike. <laughs> and the leader, the main dude in the Goonies was Mikey. Right, right, right. So I called it Goonies Open Mikey. Oh, okay, okay. Now yeah. I feel So then when it flipped to a book show, I just made it the Goonie show. And it was like I was still learning, too, about like kind of like marketing how to blow up a show you know what i mean <laughs> so that was like i had i had produced one previous room before in long beach and i did about like five shows of a monthly show okay um and i had like kind of like a gimmick on that too it was <laughs> it was called it was on sunday nights and i would call it sweatpants sunday and i would tell everybody to show up in sweatpants <laughs> and people would do it man not everybody would do it but people <laughs> would do it and girls come in yoga pants and shit and yeah it was fun dude um so I was trying to do things like that to, like, set your show apart, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just having a oh, stand-up comedy show. It's a comfortable show, folks. You know, a, a flyer with, like, you know, five heads on right, it. Right, right, right. Which it's is cool, but it's like everybody, you know, I wanted to do something that stood out. A little hook or something? Yeah, you know? Something to notice it? Yeah, exactly. Because it was already a struggle to keep that thing, you know, <laughs> hot in that, in that location. So it worked out because... The was fuck was that? Yeah, I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Somebody walked in there with folks. a fucking carriage of fucking puppies and shit. Seriously. Um, 
Yeah, it made it easy as far as like making flyers because there's so much fan art. You know what I mean? People have loved that movie for 30 years, so it was like real. I just could, I could just hit you know Google Images and find all these things to make a flyer out of. Okay, and we're talking about the Goonies one. Yeah, Yeah, dude, that little fucking folk posters and stuff. The little uh, cult falling, not folk falling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then that's why I got the idea for, you know, when I thank people on Facebook, I, you know, name everybody a Goonies member, (laughs) a Goonies cast and everything, and it's fun, man. The fucking Fratellis and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, back in the day when there used to be a lot of people at the mic, I'd have a bunch of people for each person and shit. So I get like, there'd be a Sloth, Ma Fratelli, the Fratelli brothers. I go way down the line. (laughs) I mean, now... It's like a club show, and it's tightened up, so there's like, you know, six spots maybe, so I don't have to go that deep. Right. Yo, people get sensitive sometimes, man. Fools don't want to be chunk. Oh, dude, you tell me mean? about motherfuckers right. being sensitive, right. dude. Especially comedians who are not supposed to be or on the surface. Motherfuckers are just like fucking cat fighting or complaining about every mm-hmm. fucking detail, dude. It's fucking yeah. hilarious, dude. And there were three girls on that movie. And one was supposed to be the hot one, and one was supposed to be the nerdy one, and the other one was uh, where's the beef, or not, right, right. not where's the beef, but throw mama from the train. train yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if I had three girls, you know what I mean, which one is going to be the old lady? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. old lady. Yeah. It's real, dude. And where, where are you from, dude? You're from Inglewood, dude? I am, man. I'm from L.A. I grew up and lived in Inglewood when I was a little kid, and then uh, I lived on the west side. We moved, we moved to like Venice, Mar Vista area when okay. uh, I was like seven. Oh, okay. So you, yeah. so most of your like adult. Then I moved back to Inglewood when I had to buy a house. Basically, <laughs> man, I had a kid. I was living in Hollywood, man. I had a one bedroom apartment, Franklin on the Bray. It was tight. I wasn't even doing comedy then. Really, single? I moved. Nah, I was with my girl. Oh, okay. But I moved before I started doing comedy. All right. So I was living in like the main place in LA to to hit mics and start out as a comic. And I wanted to do comedy, but I just wasn't. At that time, you you wanted to become a stand up. Yeah, I was a big fan. I was going to shows all the time and stuff, man. I remember like uh, like Jeff Garcia clown me. Oh, this in the one. audience once. He got you, know you dog. He got oh, you. Oh, he too. got me. He got me hard. Where was this at? At the Ice House. At the Ice House. Oh, in Pasadena. Yeah. yeah. Rudy Moreno shows or on Wednesday night or his own show? No, nah, it was uh, it was Rick Martinez. Oh, this yeah. fool, dog. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, when he was doing Rick shows Martinez, with Jeff all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. One, it was one of those. That's how I got in, actually. Well, I started because <laughs> hey, Rick, Rick, Rick used to work <laughs> with my with That's my how ex. I got in. No, Rick used to work with my ex at like Foot Locker or something. Really, back in the day. dude? They were like managers of the same Foot Locker. Wow. And so, you know, when you start, you know, you start doing comedy, like you start texting everybody you used to work with and all your homies. And I shit. remember like, hey, I was getting show, those texts for show, days, show, dude. Right? Yeah. Block that fool. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we went to you know we went to some of his shows. And that was one of them. Okay. And, I, and, I, and that was what I thought. Like, watch. I was like, man, I could do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it looked easy from down here. Right. Oh, my God, dude. That's hilarious. I didn't know that, dude. Everybody has their uh, little Jeff Garcia story, dude. Fucking. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. He's been, he's been around so long. And what Everyone's was up? He's been affected in some way. And you're Mexican, though, right? You're, both your folks are Mexican? Yeah, man. My dad is from TJ. Um, my mom... Was born just outside of Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. So like her, they're Mexican, but uh, my grandparents are both from Arizona. Okay, actually, and my grandpa on my dad's side is from Arizona. That's how he wound up coming to the, U- to the U.S. He didn't know he was from Arizona. <laughs> he lived in Mexico his whole life. He had no idea he was born in Arizona. Really? Yeah. My grandpa on my dad's side, uh, <laughs> he had a ranch. Right? Okay. He's the only boy with like eight sisters, nine sisters. Sorry, I don't remember. Um, and his dad died. When he's like 12. Wow, so he just took dude. over a ranch. Really? Ran, that ran, age? Yeah, ran a ranch. And uh, when he's like 20 or something, 
uh, he had moved to you know TJ and met my grandma and got married, and his aunt came to him and showed him his papers. I was like, you were American this whole time. He was like, shit. He just took it, off, packed it, moved to Venice. Really? Yeah, dude. Because back then, this is the fifties. Like Venice is the hood. You know really? Yeah, there used to be uh, all these oil fields around uh, Ladera Heights area. So it wasn't all like the community is now? Hell no. It was ghetto, dude. It was it was hood. What, industrial dude, in dude, essence? the 80s, dude. Really? Nah, just like real hood. That's what all that dog town is from. And really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three gangs. There was a white gang, a black gang, and a Mexican gang. And they got the suicidals and all and that then, shit yeah, there. Yeah, suicidals was there. That was the white dudes. Uh, V13. Is that, was that was, Venice? Was the gang, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and Showline Crips. Really? Oh, that, was the, that was the black gang. Man. So those three gangs in that area. Yeah, they dude. went to war when I was in high school. Really? Yeah, dude. My t- my 10th grade year of high school, like 25 people were killed. All three uh, going out at the same time or nah, two it, on it, it one? Was, or? It was two, two uh, Cholo gangs, uh, Venice and Culver City, clicked up against the Crips. Really, dude? Yeah, dude. Like green lighting. It was like from coming from jail, coming from prisons. Green really? lighting all through that summer, dog. It was crazy. There was like a race riot at my school one day. Really? Yeah, dude. just broke out, just scrapping like 65 people. All these school police came in. And I, I went to Venice High, right? And Venice High already had like the highest number of narcs in the school. Well, 21 Jump Street for, style? Seriously, for, for LA, LAUSD. Really? LA school I didn't police. know it was that hardcore. Venice, yeah, because it was drugs like crazy at Venice High, dude. You could go. It was like uh, like almost being at a festival sometimes, dude. Like you could go <laughs> with nothing and all day people would just get you high. Really, dude? That's cool. And we're yeah, just talking yeah. about just weed or all types of shit, like speed, whatever, coke. Whatever you wanted, really. Really. But, I mean, I just fucked around with weed and stuff. But, yeah, dudes that like mushrooms, acid, everything, dude. Everything. God damn, dude. Yeah, man. So it was nuts back then, dude? For real? It was, dude. It Cause was. You got, cause it, there were, yeah, there were undercovers. There were narcs. There were a bunch of school police. There was one narc that uh, told a chick that he was a cop. Told one of the students because he was trying to fuck her. Really, dude? Yeah, and this girl like kicked it with a bunch of crips, and she had she had really big tits. <laughs> you know I mean? And he just like I don't know he was lost on her, and he was like trying to get on it, and he was like, yeah, I'm a cop, and he got fucked up. Really? Pull him out of there. Yeah, man, she told. Damn. She out dude. Quick, dude. Quick. You know what I mean? That's why. And what the fuck were they trying to get out? Just bus people, or actually yeah, like dude. crack and, down and, on and the it drug wasn't uh, working. movement? Really? No. It wasn't dude. working, man. Nothing was slowed down. Cause dude. you caught, you got. I never got hit up by a narc. Really? Yeah, dude. No, but you weren't. You weren't part of any gangs or none of that shit, right? You were just rolling. I wasn't part of any gangs, but I had like weed and shit all the time. Okay. And um, now you caught the tail end. Is like way before Dogtown and all that shit happened. Way before you, you probably caught the tail end. The it remnants was, of the suicidal fizzly, stuff. It was right? fizzling out in the eighties, man. Right. I was born in seventy eight. Right. Right. So when I was a little kid. All that was still cracking, man. Welcome to Venice and Exodus and Beowulf. You remember all that? Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike Muir. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, dude. And then it switched out. They used to have a they used to have a skate shop on Lincoln Boulevard, right by my grandma's house, um, called Streets of Venice. And that that was that was the spot, dude. Everybody in Venice used to skate. That that place was huge. When that place closed down, like seventy percent of the people that were skaters, probably higher percentage to be honest. Turn into gangsters? Gangsters or taggers. 
Yeah, yeah. Everybody, that's a whole, and then like, a bunch of taggers became gangsters. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what remember back in the tag, tag bang, bangers. Yeah, yeah tag banging days. Yeah. That's what it was all fucking fun. It was like, you know, but then it became a numbers thing. When did you graduate? I mean, I graduated in 96. Same I, I, was, here, I, I was born in 78 as well. Dude. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Dude. Yeah. So dude. you remember like DPs, tag bangers, oh, totally. party crews. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, Rebels the, the and all that bullshit. Crazy, bro, yeah. Rebel bopping. Remember, we used to be huge. Fox Undercover. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. With Chris Blanchard and shit. Yeah, Chris Blatchford. Blatchford, there you go. They showed Venice High like four or five times. Yeah, I remember the fucking motherfuckers, you know, just, you know, those party crews, people sleeping all all day, partying all night, fucking motherfuckers with pacifiers and shit Mm -hmm. and little backpacks, that whole little fucking scene. All day at school. That was fucking sickening almost. And then the other thing, too, was uh, people thought that Venice was going to be like a good school. So people get bussed into Venice from all over the city. And what was that? Was that just like a mandate thing for the cities? You know, because they had like the busing programs in L.A. Because I never had that, dude. A lot of kids in the hood go get bussed to like Palisades. Right. I heard about stuff like that. People like from Boulder Heights. Really? So there's a bunch of fools from like Mid-City. And like downtown and South Central, they just caught the bus to Venice. Making so it, it worse? There was just a bunch of crews. A bunch of tagging crews, a bunch of party crews. You know what I mean? There was there couldn't be extra gangs, right. but there would be some fools that would say they're 18th or, you know what I'm saying? Or like claim other shit. Within, Already representing within, from within other areas. School. Yeah, really? just coming in on the bus. Damn, you dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you, it was you, crazy. you don't speak Spanish, do you? Nah. Yeah, okay. I can speak a little bit. Like, uh, I was a paramedic. So I learned, like, <laughs> Spanish for work. Right, right, you right. You gotta learn a little bit of Spanish. You mean paramedic? To, yeah, man. to communicate yeah. and like what's going on here. That's the situation and shit. For real. K ace two nombre. Yeah, that's about it though, man. My parents <laughs> speak it fluently, but they never like spoke it to us, man. Like, was there a reason for that or what? For them growing up, like it wasn't that cool to speak Spanish. You know what I'm saying? People forget like uh, like the '60s and shit. You know what I mean? Like people like looking down on on mexicans a lot more than i mean it's hard to believe like it'd be more than now but yeah it's funny like people in their early 60s i think in their late 50s right now that i talked to that were mexican growing up in uh, california they say that they used to get spanked in uh, elementary school yeah and it's totally different because my dad's from mexico but he came over here when he was like 14 15 Mm -hmm. he went to the high school i went to but he was already like it it didn't really affect him in that sense but because he didn't come to grade school here but it was really like kind of looked down upon and it, was, it wasn't part of the curriculum and all yeah, that stuff. Exactly. It was a different America then, too, opposed to, like, you know, now, like, you know, Amnesty came in in 86. You know, that's Pointy Boots and the Hats came out. And then you got Mexicans that actually, like, fucking, you know, fuck that. You know what I mean? They speak, oh, yeah, dude. You know, because we were, like, secret agent style. We would speak Spanish amongst ourselves at home and everything. But once we would go outside, it wouldn't be that way. And then I knew a lot of Mexicans that didn't in um, growing up in Riverside. But then uh, did people ever make it an issue with you? Like, you know, they, oh, you're Mexican, you don't speak Spanish? Oh, growing up, big yeah. time. Some people <laughs> still will a lot. I have some friends who uh, will start shit with me for it <laughs> still. Um, but especially, yeah, growing up, other Mexican kids in school, like, yeah, it'd be like, you're a disgrace and You're shit. not down? Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean, a disgrace. Yes. Dude, there's a few girls that told me that, man. Yeah, <laughs> disgrace dude. of what though that's dude that's what I'm saying dude just cause if you, you know, were such a non-disgrace you'd be back in Mexico repping yeah man <laughs> exactly, exactly right yeah, hey, so when your dad came he just came to Riverside he just well decided. he already had cousins that were that came here when they were already like when they were like five and six that already grew up here so he already kind of he was just hanging with them opposed to just coming you know like coming with your little like your little backpack and then you know you're fucking this he already had family here so um 
it was like I can I think an easy transition. He was a he was okay at school, like geography and shit. Like he was telling me that like he would like know all the all the states on the map and all all, all the countries. And like he's all a guy will look at he's like, man, you're a genius, man. How'd you know all that shit? And he's like, I don't know, fucking look at the map and shit or the globe. <laughs> but um, like writing it and all that and speaking it, it wasn't until he said he didn't feel comfortable with it till after like when he started working. And he was working with a bunch of white dudes in construction and shit. Yeah. So it was like, you know, he started actually exercising anymore. But it was kind of, he said it was real cool. He didn't run into any racism or any of that. Like, you know, yeah. like I think that's like more a little bit before our generation, maybe the early 80s and stuff. Because he graduated in 70. And um, he was it was real cool. It was none of that. Um, you know, where they were at, it was not too many. There wasn't too many Mexican people. Uh-huh. But it wasn't too hardcore. But, I mean, you had your yeah. Mexican restaurants. And they celebrated Cinco de Mayo and all that stuff. Not to the scale that they do it today. But yeah. it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't uh, too much of an issue for him. That's in cool, that man. sense, but I mean, if it would have been different if he was like the only one, and maybe like in Nebraska, or but he he does he did tell me that like Chicano dudes would try to fucking uh, recruit him to be like a gangster and like come hang out with us, and that would be like nah, he would yeah. be he'd be too scared, dude. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So my dad played football the whole time like, through <laughs> high school, so like nobody really like fucked with him. He's, he's big too. Okay. So nobody really fucked with him. You know what I mean? So he he never really have that like pool or like had to worry about it. But it's a trip because like. Whoever the first person is that comes here from Mexico or whatever, like for your family, like where they settle, like that's where you guys are gonna be from. Well, yeah, that's where they go. You know what I'm saying? Hey, come over here, like you know. Yeah. They can cook you with a job. Like I already know this community. I know a lady that can rent right. you a house or a room. Yeah, like or an I apartment. don't know. I don't know why my grandfather picked Venice. Out of necessarily. Did, and you know, he, and why? Does your dad know? Does anybody know? Nah, you know what? I never. That's where pretty much. I don't think he knows though. Start creating your enclaves. You know what I mean? Your ethnic yeah. enclaves. You know where like you know. But it was the hood then, and he just lucked out. That it changed and became what it became. A good spot. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. Because he did it get gentrified back then, or what happened actually? What took place to get it to where it's at now? Uh, I think it's more over the last. It's closer to the beach too. I don't know. In the 80s, there were some people that had li- that lived there, like Dennis Hopper lived there. Okay. Everybody knew that Dennis Hopper lived there. Like Fucking Bo easy Bridges. riders. <laughs> yeah. My uh, my, my cousin's cousin pissed on Dennis Hopper's garage once. He didn't Whoa. know it was his house, and Dennis Hopper came out. Shut up. He's like, hey, what the fuck? And the dude, and he's like, he's like, oh shit, you're Dennis Hopper. He's like, he's like, yeah, man, I am. He's like, quit pissing on my house, dude. <laughs> and what do you say, dog? He's like, what is he gonna do? Just turn his dick, you know? <laughs> you yeah. already pissed. He's like, you stop pissing. He's got to move. You pissing on my house, man? Yeah, dude. Right? <laughs> like, that's crazy. That's a crazy encounter, man. Fuck yeah, dude. But yeah, I don't know. It was like gradually, because like everywhere in L.A. that wasn't already gentrified has become. Somewhat, I mean, look Gentrified. where we are now, dude. Oh, yeah, you go right there. You know what I'm saying, man? Think of how this was in the 80s, bro. Oh, yeah, you know? dude. So, uh, yeah, man, like everywhere changed, dude. Venice yeah. was just first because, yeah, it's, you know, closer to the beach. Everything changed. One, one thing that I noticed changed, I think gentrification happens, it happens naturally it just like kind of natural progression of things with like redevelopment within cities you know they mm-hmm. get federal money state money yeah. to like you know so of course you're going to want to clean up and just like redo and it's like this is a copy every city is a copycat city i mean we've been to mm-hmm. fucking um lexington kentucky where it's like a grove there just like there is one over there in fucking oh, um sure. in um right third tree promenade yep. or you can even go to victoria gardens and rancho you know what i mean yeah. they're all model cities you know all these developers are nationwide yeah so it's like if you look at pictures of yeah, the they rebuild the same thing over oh, totally. and over. in the 80s you just had the alpha beta the home base all those certain mm-hmm. stores that were all clumped together same thing like cheesecake factories and all that that's other why the places that can get gentrified are like venice or boyle heights or stuff that was like original right like now boyle heights are trying to fight it hard 
Right, yeah, they're, they're coming in. What Venice has been doing for like 10 years. Venice is losing, though. That shit just it's it ha- thing, it happened. It's going to cave to big money, dude. Yeah, it happened. The only one that's, I think, survived all that baloney is like that uh, little community up north, uh, Santa Cruz. They, they don't let Starbucks in and around all that yeah. shit, right? Yeah. So they can keep their mystique and shit. It's a trip, though, because then the people who are the winners are like my grandpa. Cause like that fool bought a house for twenty grand. God damn! What year was that, 60s, dude? Sixties, like sixty four or something. Wow, dude! Some shit like that. He saved money, bought a house, twenty grand. His house is worth like over two million bucks now. Or something. I bet, yeah. dude. You know what I'm saying, dude. He he, he leases it out for like thirty seven or something a month. And, Bitching, uh, dude. And he just he just bought another place and just lives in a senior community. <laughs> out by you. <laughs> They'll be yeah. all like, I wasn't say uh. Out in the IE. Um, I'd be all taking that little Charlie Sheen thing, you know, winning. Seriously, dude. <laughs> and he, then, has, um, he has no idea. He was a custodian <laughs> for elementary you, school. You have your and your grandfather has a crazy story too, right? Yeah, hell is yeah, the one man. that's uh, um pretty much. You could go ahead and tell the story, but that's how I started talking to you one day, Ma. Not that this fool is interesting. You had an interesting story about him, how he came up. Because I told you I've seen him on the news. Yeah, he was kind of like a rogue. He started out as a rogue reporter, and then I noticed that uh, just recently, as like you know, when uh, Castro died a couple weeks back, you posted something that your uh, grandpa interviewed him back in the day. Yeah, when he first came into power, man. It's a trip, yeah. One grandfather was a custodian. The other grandfather is like one of the craziest stories of a Latino or a Mexican like ever, man. <laughs> People don't even know yet, dude. Do it's tell, dude. He uh <laughs> he went to World War Two, right? Did the did the GI Bill. He was a radio man in the Navy. Okay. And uh he used the GI Bill, went to uh, U of A. He's real smart. He got into U of A. He's like one of the first Latinos to graduate from uh, U- University of Arizona. Oh, wow, dude. So the Navy brought him back and recruited him back, and they put him in. Uh, he was a radio host at the time. He had his own radio show in Phoenix, an all-Spanish language radio station. And he was like, I think, the morning guy or something. <laughs> it's actually and uh, my grandmother. His wife had a, had a show on the same station. Really? She had her, she had her own like it was like a like a latina feminist show oh wow it dog. was called i if you're, i'm gonna fuck it up i say it in spanish but it was the it was the beautiful mexican woman <laughs> that was what their show was called really yes that was her show dude and they both had and this shows. is so so if you're de- we're going like what late 50s 40s oh my god yeah late 40s so they, they were like 50s. in what their early 20s then uh or mid 20s yeah yeah early 20s really dude yeah and like, that shit was yeah. cracking back then dude and happy. they had an audience and all that yeah, shit? They, they were on the first all-Spanish radio station in Phoenix. Wow. And, and did they it, were popular. Did they get transmitted to Mexico or just in that general vicinity of that area? I don't know. Okay. I don't know how far the signal went. Yeah, it was AM back then. So oh, okay. Knows, man. But, yeah. Uh, the uh, government brought him back. They put him in the U.S. Information Service. Oh, wow. The U.S. Information Service runs like Armed Forces Radio and the Voice of America. <laughs> so, at that time, the 50s... They were trying to expand their influence, the, you know, the U.S. over all of, like, Latin America, oh, yeah, and, like, South America, Central America, and Cuba. And they had already, like, you know, had put in money to try to, to, try to stop Castro. So and this, grand- is dur- this is during Castro's campaign to take power when Batista was still in power? Exactly. So they were trying to stop all that. Yeah, exactly. And that was part of the propaganda wheel? Uh-huh. That's pretty much exactly what it was. Okay. Uh, so my grandpa was the Spanish la- Spanish anchor of the Voice of America. He was a, a, a Vos. La Voz. Yeah, La Voz. That's, <laughs> I think that's what the microphone says in that picture, too. Oh, wow. Dude. Yeah, man. So when uh, when Castro first came into power, he interviewed him. And did he go to Cuba to do that? Or where was it? Where did the interview take place? I don't know place? where the interview took place, actually. In and I never heard it. 
Oh, okay. I don't know if there's record. Of is it there archived than, anywhere? In the photo, I'm assuming like Library of Congress archived okay. the old. That'll make sense. Voice of America stuff, and, and especially if it's like a government uh, sponsored program. Look it up. Yeah. And what your did your grandfather ever say anything about that interview? No, that's the thing. He died in 2003. And I didn't know about that until after he died. Really, dude? Yeah, he never. Your dad, about your it. mom, nobody really says anything about it. That other than it happened. There's a and here's the photo. They didn't talk about it either. Oh wow! Yeah, they never they never talked about it. It's just after he died, we uncovered. He had he had a, an amazing like office in his house that had a bunch of photos of him with all these people. Okay. He just never had the Castro photo up. Really? Yeah, a picture of him and Nixon. Yeah, because Castro uh, looks young, young as fuck in that photo too, dude. Yeah, he is. It's like 1959, dude. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying, man. And, like, you saw how my grandfather looks. He's right. Like, he's a dark dude. Like, he's not <laughs> passing for white. You know what I mean, man? Like, there's no mistake. He looked like him. he was rolling with Pancho Villa. And he's the only one. <laughs> and, and what you know of him, was he, like, a hustler in the sense? Or he just wanted to get his name out there to work? Or he wanted to actually get these interviews? Or was just part of already who he became? You know how there's some people where, like, you just know there's something different about them when you when you sit with them or when you talk to them. Right, right. They're that's not like just that's normal. How, that's how he was, dude. Interesting in essence. Yeah, without trying like to be. He, he controlled everything, drew everybody in, knew everything, and just the way his personality was and how he was just like super engaging. Really? You know what I mean? Just People just loved him and just and he, always wanted to have him around. And he was uh, he was both English and Spanish bilingual in that sense? Or oh, what? yeah. Okay. Yeah, and fluent and just smart and could articulate anything in, in both. And that's oh, how he wound up making it to where, like, you saw him on the news. And how do you how do you get in that in that in that sense and that broadcasting leg here in L.A.? Well, he had uh, gone through working for the Foreign Service, U.S. Foreign Service. He wound up becoming an embassy officer. Oh wow! Uh, so he was stationed in Mexico City for a few years. Okay. And then uh, Lima, Peru. Oh so wow! Late sixties, they had a military coup when he was the uh, he, he wasn't the the ambassador. But he was a diplomat. He was a the embassy officer okay. for, for the for the U.S. embassy in Lima. Uh, they had a military coup. Replaced their leadership. They had to evacuate all the non-essential Americans. Mm-hmm. So the family had to move back, and he had to stay behind in Peru for like six or seven months to fix shit. Yeah, and like get everything back in order and establish diplomatic ties and everything. Right, with the new government and everything. And he didn't like being apart for that long, and so he left. Really, just got up and yeah, bailed. He quit. Yeah, he quit. Um, Wanted to be a reporter. Really? He got a job at KNX. And was that just like straight? They still had KNX back in the 60s, yeah. And he was just knocking on the door going over there? Or, you know, send, you know I mean, he telegramming is, he his is resume? He is, yeah. So, like, they're obviously, you know. Already he, knew he, who he, he was? He can get an interview. Okay. And then, he, you know, he, he kills any interviews. In, you know, <laughs> so they give him a gig. But it's still the 60s. It's still completely, you know. White reporters. And he, talk, he has a, a very Caucasian. Yeah, they, they, they call him they call him Poncho and shit. You oh know what my I mean? god! Like, just try to like just slap him down and shit, kind of. Um, so he winds up working for CBS as a reporter, and he lo- he loves it. And was he a field reporter or like what yeah, type? of field okay. reporter. Yeah, he, he he loved doing that, dude. That's what he wound up doing at the end before he retired too. He just liked it. Um, loved telling stories. So what wound up happening is uh, remember when they said the Chicano riots. Yeah, you know, well, East LA, the walkouts and everything. Yeah, with the, Vietnam, with Ruben Salazar yeah, and all that Brown stuff. And stuff. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. What happened to Ruben Salazar he, he at the Silver Dollar Cafe? Yeah, the sheriff's killed him. Right, right, right. They, they hit him in the they head. Accidentally with fired a, a, a smoke bag. bomb or yeah, something and yeah, hit him in the head, yeah, and that's hit what him actually in the head and killed him. Right, right, right. So Ruben Salazar was the news director for KMEX. Really? Before there was Univision, it was just KMEX Channel Thirty Four. That's the whole the walkout and all that stuff, right? All that, dude. 
right? So that's when all that happened. So Ruben Salazar gets killed, and uh, they asked my grandfather to replace him. Filling the shoes and shit? Or yeah, filling the to, vacuum? To run KMEX. Oh, really? Run KMEX News. So, yeah, my grandpa took over. He was a news director. He was the evening news anchor. He had his own weekend talk show. He talked to Latino celebrities and shit. So that was how I knew him from that was my earliest memories with him was like, He's a big Latino celebrity in L.A. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you go to restaurants, everybody loves him. The staff really? all comes out to shake his hand and shit. This is before, too, like, Humberto Luna and all those guys. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, my, my grandpa is actually the dude that hired uh, Jorge Ramos. Really, dude? Yeah. Jorge Ramos's book, his, his uh, autobiography. He mentions him? He talks about the first Thanksgiving he had in America. It was at my grandpa's house. Are you serious, yeah. dude? Yeah, he gave him his first book. Oh, wow. He got, he got him into got him into news. Okay. Yeah, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Maria Elena Salinas. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Her too. Another, another huge one. Yeah, she writes about my grandpa in her book. Really, dude? Yeah, yeah I've seen both those uh, um, people uh, growing up, seen them on the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. on the news. 70s Spanish language news, local news, was completely different. It was basically like commercials. Really, dude? You know what I mean? Like, hey, we're going to open up this new market. They sent a reporter to this market. Hey, this is happening here. Crazy deals or whatever. We're opening this new restaurant. <laughs> you know I mean, that's pretty much that's it, dude. Crazy it was like, deals. That was like the local community news on, on KMEX. Oh, wow. And so he turned it around. I mean, that's what Ruben Salazar was trying to do, too, I think. But, yeah, he took it over and turned it around and made it into, you know, legit, you know. Journalism. Real journalism like it was in English. Oh, wow. He would, he would say there was no reason why a Spanish language broadcast had to be any different or inferior to English language. Yeah, and it's true, yeah. dude. Yeah. It's a fucking visionary in that sense. And what happened with uh, with that whole movement, Ruben Salazar and all that stuff? Did, did it weaken? Did he ever talk about that? Did it weaken as far as, like, you know, civil rights or whatever, as far as uh, educational rights here in L.A.? Um, after he died, or because uh, I mean, he was kind of a driving force. Because not only were they there, they were reporting it. They were, you know, giving it, I guess, giving it fire in the sense of letting Latino people know what's really yeah. going on. Because you know, like pretty much, I mean, I don't care what anybody would say. Not that this is a wrong assumption, but or a theory, but like you know, Latinos in the U.S. are just a little bit more like chilled out. You know, we're not like yeah. uh, like you know, black people they'll kill a black person and right away. They'll start protesting right. whether did wrong or right or whatever. You know, they just lift up. Al Sharpton comes. Jesse Jackson comes. There's a big old fire. Condemn this man. Yeah. This man is a murderer, and he's not a police officer. And then, like, when uh, they'll shoot and kill, like, a Latino dude or a Mexican dude, it's like, all right, but what did he do? Yeah. Oh, he was pointing a BB gun at fucking cops. Well, there you go. That's why they shot him, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Like, go back inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's dying down now, though, man. It seems like it's starting to come back up stronger, man, that whole movement. There's a lot of people, like, Boyle Heights, East L.A., you know what I mean? Especially now with Trump. Right, it's right. It's only going to get stronger and stronger. And what, what's your, uh, and how was, was your grandfather conservative? Was he a liberal or what, dude? He was kind of conservative. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing, dude. We knew him in one capacity. You know what I mean? So it's like, you don't think to ask your grandpa these heavy questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like Especially you, when it's happening yeah, going wanna, down. you just want to mess around with him, watch watch football with him. <laughs> it wasn't never any swimming. Serious you know political I mean? talking. Yeah, There's always go this have grandpa. breakfast. Yeah, you know what I mean. He was more of a grandpa role to you guys, opposed to like. Oh, of course, man. You like know. when you ask him stuff, it was like historical stuff, like for school. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need help with a report. Like my, I know my grandpa <laughs> knows the answer to this because he did. He knew the answer to everything, man. That right. Was, that was the whole thing with him. So none of this stuff would occur to me until after he died. Right. Yeah. It's always that way, though. And when he retired, um, he moved back to Arizona. You know what I mean? 
So that's what I was saying too. Uh, his last gig before he retired, he went back to being a KNX reporter. Oh wow, out yeah, there because he felt no in in L.A. Oh no, okay, so okay, because he, he just liked it. All right. He didn't need to anymore. He was uh, at that point. He had moved on to CBS, and he was the weekend commentator on CBS. He used to okay. do editorials. You know, when they would have the news director come in and give an editorial, he right? Would, he I was a week yeah. roundup and you yeah. know let you know what's cracking. Yeah, he would do that at CBS News. Um, so at the end, yeah, like he went to the riots because he wanted, he wanted to report. That was shit was news, and that's what he liked doing was telling the news from the news. And so, like when the riots broke out, he got in his car, he had his recorder, and he drove to like Mid City, man. Right like, in the middle of where, it, where I went to looters, interviewing looters. <laughs> yeah, dude. And he was like. Man, how old was he then? He was probably like 68. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's already up there. Yeah, dude. He was already up there. Still man. in the mix. Yeah. People are recognizing him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why are you in the riots? You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. And what was your grandfather's name, dude? Like Pete Moraga. Okay. Cool, yeah, dude. Man. Yeah, that was him. Wow, dude. And, and nobody in your family, like your your folks, either one, that they never picked up any of the... Uh, any of the uh, journalistic uh, ways they didn't, no. they didn't go into show business in any capacity they would show no interest. My uncle produced some TV shows, and he got into like production and produced uh, some award shows and uh, commercials. And he, he tried a couple of series and shot some pilots and stuff, but okay, it didn't really pan out. He's the he's the spokesperson for the insurance industry now. <laughs> so like when they have a. New like a uh, insurance like a uh, car safety warnings or stuff like that or highway warnings highway safety warnings he goes on like Good Day LA <laughs> like talks about it and like you know, give the yeah. update yeah he's like their spokesperson it's fun. oh wow yeah my mom wanted to act she was like an extra <laughs> on a couple TV shows she's like an extra on like Family Affair or something Buffy <laughs> and Jody Family yeah, Affair yeah bro oh dude and what what, the, what drove you to get into comedy dude dude I just loved it since I was a little kid I was just really? scared bro. <laughs> and that, I that's bomb. Yeah, but nobody wants a fucking bomb. I'm, dude. I'm shy, and I'm like real. I'd be really self conscious too when I was a kid and when I was younger. And I just thought like I couldn't deal with that. If people, I thought I could do it, but then I wouldn't think I could actually do it. Okay. And then uh, when my kid was born, I don't know. I was just thinking like, if he has a thing he wants to try, and I tell him, I tell him that I never tried the thing I wanted to try. You know what I mean? Then that's, I'm not really like a like an example to him. To go after his shit, you know, kind of I mean? more just hypocritical. Kind of, yeah. I'm so yeah. You should go for it. What about you? Yeah, I never did. I was scared. You know <laughs> no, I mean? and that's no, and that's the thing too, dude. Like uh, the driving force of doing stand up, and once you're in the mix, and you you know you're you're grasping it, you're uh, you're performing, you're starting to understand how it works, you know, business and on stage, and like you know, artistically and creatively. So now, like, what's the next step to keep on doing? Or but now you got to figure out like a not not so not so much a niche or a way to get yourself on the map and in the mix, and that's a fear, you know, because you don't want to go up in there and like, all right now you're trying it, now you're doing it, now all right you're past the fail part, but like all right, what's next? Yeah, what could I do? What could I contribute? Like, who's gonna fuck with me, dude? Am I gonna you know am I gonna be somebody in this? And there's this whole thing of when you're first starting, you're not good. <laughs> and you've got to get good, but then it's hard to get good because you're not good, and you wonder if you're gonna get good, and like what what you're you know, if you have one joke that works, you like cling to that joke. Oh <laughs> you know I mean? fuck like, I, yeah, I know, dude! I know I can rely on this. This one'll get me out of anything. Yeah, and then after like three or four years, like damn, that bit sucked. Oh, like, yeah, I can't dude. believe I used to rely on that oh. bit. You know? Yeah, fuck yeah, dude! It's all like uh, you you learn a lot about yourself, dude. It's crazy, dude. It's hard, man. 
Because that's the whole thing is like you got to find your style, find your voice. Oh, fuck and yeah, dude. But then. You don't want to be like the 10, the 20 dudes that sound like Bill Burr. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. And then the other Especially thing now too, when a comic gets hot. There's, you know, there's always the that ver the twenty versions. You know, his little sons, his offspring. You know, exactly. whether he wanted them or not, or she wanted them or or not. You know, exactly. Because it's like you know, it's like groups, it's like bands. You know, once a band gets all huge, then there's ten bands that sound just like them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And whether you not, whether or not you believe it, it's like fucking. I mean, come on, dude. We're like master of puppets here, and fucking, you know, copycats of the core, dude. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. That's dude. why when something makes it and so fucking unique, you want to copy it. You know what I mean? Yep. To get a little piece of the action. Yeah. But I don't know if I was going to cut, if I cut you off on what you were going to say right before nah. I went on that little tirade. Nah, you're good, dude. Um, yeah, you got you to gotta try to stay original. And it's hard because there's so many people here. Oh, there's fuck so many yeah. people that are good. Oh, and yeah. That's the other thing, too, is like, you think you know everybody? Every day <laughs> I find like five new people that I never heard of that are ahead of me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, man. Like, you just always have to work, dude. And that whole, yeah, and that whole fear, too, ahead of you or whatever, you know what I mean? And I've heard it before where, you know, everybody has their own little fucking voyage, their own little path. Oh, yeah. You I can know. get caught up in your fucking head going, yeah. ah, she fucking him. And it's like, you, you know, you, you got to, that's part of the uniqueness you carve out. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Opposed to being cool as opposed to trying to be cool you know what i mean yep standing out and trying to stand out yeah you that's know? the only way it's gonna work be that annoying guy that fucking calls everybody uh, dude fucking <laughs> see that's the thing too man it's like i'm sure you experienced it once you had a room that was successful and uh, you know everybody and their mom hitting you up and no they didn't hit you up beforehand oh god and then, <laughs> and then people mad that you didn't book them a second time fast <laughs> enough like you were just <laughs> on the show dude damn yeah, dude. It's, a, it's a whole thing man and like and like people don't think about that too it's like there's a whole part of just getting up and having jokes and doing jokes, but then you gotta like. There's a whole world of this and a whole scene. Oh and fuck you yeah, who dude! All these people are. It's like the first day of a high school and you've never been to that high school. Oh and everybody fuck Everybody else yeah, has already been there for five years. Yeah, dude. And you know what I mean, and like, yeah, you like. It's almost. I tell people like it's almost kind of like being an undercover cop sometimes. <laughs> this like fool. you have to like infiltrate this Getting world, kind of man. Like <laughs> you got to learn who everybody is, what everybody runs, who everybody. Like, yeah, you know, dude. You know what I mean? Because that's how you're gonna know like where you can get up, what you can do. Yeah, and who fucks with you? Dude. Yeah, exactly, dude. You know what I mean, who returns exactly. your calls? Exactly. You know what I mean? Who gives you stage time? And that's yep. the thing, dude. Like, people think, you know, there's different type of help. Just the fact that somebody's letting you grace their stage yeah. is fucking help. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's so valuable. I don't give a fucking, you know, of course we all want to do those killer shows where they're sold, sold, sold out and they want to take pictures with you and everything. But the, nothing, it doesn't matter, dude. It's just, you have an audience and a mic and able to fucking work. That's yeah. where it's at. And that's fucking priceless. You couldn't yep. pay for that, dude. Yeah, exactly. Even if it costs you 20 bucks to drive there and back, dude. Whatever the fuck it does to do that. Like, and that's what I think you know it's not that it's taken for granted but now it's changing too with the internet you don't even really need to do that you just go over there and put on your little dragon costume and do backflips and you know you got an audience it's you real, know man <laughs> it's real but then those people got to get on stage eventually oh fuck yeah that's eventually. a different fucking story dude you know what yep. i mean it's different funnier being on twitter you know spitting out fucking uh characters opposed to being on stage mm-hmm. and spitting out jokes yeah you have a dumb hack video yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, what do you like about stand-up the most do you like being on stage? Do you like creating? What drives you? Or uh, in essence, like, you know, once you get back up there to try to be funny or be funny? Connecting probably, man. Because, like, I don't know. There's, like, this weird, like, power have, with it. Having the audience go, mm-hmm. Yes, dude. Because <laughs> especially, like, my style, I have, like, a lot of one-liners and dry shit and, like, set up punch. Okay. And so people think they know where I'm going to go with something. You know what I mean? So sometimes people get mad about that style. They get, like... I'll tell jokes that like sound like a deliberately bad joke that winds up being good. 
And so people get like mad that they like it. And I like getting this reaction from people. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like, like people love it and they You're groan, not kind of groan and then they laugh and like, and then they start just laughing and like people like it'll yell shit at me. Hey, that was good. Oh my God. I love that joke. And like, I can't believe that that happens, but it happens, man. And like, it's a trip to me cause they're all strangers. You know what I mean? Like I'm just going up and I'm not doing anything. I'm just saying this thing and hoping that it registers with you and that you think it's funny. Cause that's all it is, man. Is oh, fuck yeah. Connecting people just saying them. like, Oh yeah, yeah, he's right. You know what I mean? And to have that happen a bunch of times with a bunch of strangers that in a lot of cases weren't even paying attention. Right. Didn't want you to say anything funny. There's people that straight up hate. Oh fuck you know yeah. I mean? dude. Like, people don't realize me, that. There are people who are sitting there with their arms folded like boo, fuck you. Yeah, You're you not ain't gonna, gonna make me laugh. Say shit. This gonna fucking you know make me mean? go, yeah, cool. Yep. And then you win over all them all those people like in a couple of minutes. And they're all on your side, and they're yelling the, how great you are and shit. Like, that's crazy, dude. And, Fuck like, yeah. I don't know any other way that you do that. Like, I see dudes go up and play music, <laughs> and it's like, you may be an awesome musician, but people are just kind of sitting there and listening. And they might like it a lot. They might right. be dancing. But, like, to make somebody bust up and yell, like, that's like a hard, visceral reaction that they, oh, can't, yeah. they can't fake. And yeah. I've never seen another way to do that except for having, the, you know, hot bits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying I see you do it You can't you know bribe I mean? people and with I, that shit. And I love seeing it happen man And seeing that shit just register Even when it's not me doing it I just like seeing it happen with people man It's just cool Oh fuck it's yeah That's a, a that's good outlook thing. to have in that yeah. sense To be all like fucking you know uh, And you can get that way You know To be all enough. It's all about me and shit But it's not Because it's about everybody dude Yeah well, fucking hey, dude. Fucking thank you very yeah, much for dude. doing this, dude. We had a fucking good little fucking talk. Yeah, Have you back great, on man. again, dude. For real. Keep fucking shining. And also, where can people get a hold of you at, dude? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle for both. At Benign Humor. Ben number nine humor. Like benign tumor. I think it's a very <laughs> clever handle. Uh, or I'm on uh, Facebook as well. It's Ben Gonzalez Comedian. And I run a show once a month at the West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica. It's called The Goonie Show. It's one of the best shows in L.A. Check it out when you can. You can get tickets at westsidecomedy.com. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, dude. Peace out. Thank you, brother. There you have it, folks. Episode 20 of the Yeah Man Podcast. Finally. Yeah, the second one for the year. Uh, please excuse me. I've been lagging. Uh, you know, I went, uh, uh, I went off on, uh, on, uh, the introduction of why, and, um, that's why you, uh, and that's why, uh, I left the original introduction. It was supposed to be put out uh, a lot earlier, but what happened was the one that I did with Ben Gonzalez, this one, uh, right here, uh, during the interview, um, the battery went out. So I was like, fuck. And then we had to, um, start it again. So you have the little, uh, SD cards and I couldn't find the fucking SD card for fucking my life. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, Jesus. And, uh, I found it and, uh, I put it together last night and, uh, this episode, <laughs> this episode is dedicated to, uh, I would have to say not, not, uh, 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 well, I guess, uh, it'll be the number one, uh, well, it's going to be dedicated to, uh, Julian Torres. Uh, he's on Twitter at IBDodgerFan1. And, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he hit me up last night and he's all, what's up, fool? You should change the name of your podcast at Rodrigo Torres Jr. You should change your, uh, the name of your podcast to, yeah, once in a while, man, podcast. <laughs> Hashtag uh, waiting patiently. So that one's for you, man. 
So, uh, yeah, excuse the delay, but we're going to be fucking hitting this motherfucker hard, dude. We're out of our little uh, deja voodoo. So, yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, Ben Gonzalez, he's a cool dude. He uh, does a show uh, at the West Side Comedy Theater. It's uh, the Goonies Comedy Show, and it's at 3rd Street uh, in Promenade in uh, Santa Monica, California, over there in uh, his neck of the woods. And uh, you can hit him up on social media at, at Ben number 9 humor h u m o r and also uh, you can hit him on twitter and instagram he's uh, uh friends of mine on all uh, the uh, social uh, media platforms and uh what else what else all right yeah yeah okay first and foremost or shall i say second and uh, foremost is uh thank you um uh to everybody that came out to the shows at the novo uh this past saturday um i opened up for uh, felipe i was a uh, host in the show and uh, thank you to all the folks that came by to the merch booth and uh, paid their respects. He said, hello. I love your podcast. Thank you very much for putting out the podcast. What are we going to have another podcast? You finally have another podcast. Uh, thank you to all those people, man. It fucking means a lot. I'm always holding it down to the merch booth, at the merch booth. So if you guys uh, um, uh, always feel free to come up and say what's up, man. Fucking it's all motherfucking wood. <laughs> I mean, good. <laughs> it's all wood. I remember in high school there was like some fucking wannabe white per, uh, supremacist uh, dudes. And they would be all like, what's up? What's up, wood? It's all wood. Instead of all good. It's like, um, I don't know, a couple of them committed suicide. Some of them are in jail. And the rest of them are uh, normal uh, Americans, you know? Uh and lost in the fray of the social fabric of America. <laughs> and uh, we're here at the Ravine with uh, uh, David Ortiz here. Uh, David Ortiz is on deck. And David, uh, as a little small boy in the Dominican Republic, would steal his sister's dolls and rip the head off the doll and shave the doll's head no more hair on the doll, and use it as a baseball. Okay, David Ortiz. The count is one and two. <laughs> Shout out to Vince Scully. Hope you're doing well out there, my man. Out there in retirement. Uh, that's my new voice I'm working on, Vince Scully. That's right, Los Angeles. I'm working on it at open mics. I haven't perfected it yet, um, uh, so I got to fucking bust it out. And, uh, that's my new voice, man. You know what I mean? I'm going to make it as uh, classic as a Tony Soprano voice. One day, uh, him and Vince Scully going to be together. Yeah. I hope not, because I want to live. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you very much for everybody that showed up to the Novo Sold Out Shows. Opening up for uh, Felipe Esparzo's fucking kick-ass 7 and 10 p.m. show. Um... Yeah, um, the other fucking cool thing about this show is I got to share the stage with the very funny Dean Edwards from Brooklyn, New York. That's right, motherfucker. I said Brooklyn. And uh, you can check out his podcast, uh, The Father Muckin' uh, Protocol, on All Things Comedy Network. And uh, yeah, man, he's a cool motherfucker, dude. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, a Saturday Night Live alumnus, and you can catch him on uh, TV show, uh, The Guy Code. And also, oh, you, dude, the other cool thing is because the LA Riot Comedy Festival was going on, and one of our homies, uh, he's been on the podcast, uh, the What's a Full podcast, uh, Hugh Moore stopped by, and it was so fucking cool to see Hugh Moore, man. Another, uh, another native, uh, New Yorker. He's a good guy, Hugh Moore. Um, if you guys remember back in the day, uh, the show, uh, Vibe, uh, it was hosted by, I think, Chris Spencer, and then, um, Sinbad took over, and he used to do this funny-ass character with a ventriloquist uh, called Shy Tony, man. So look it up on YouTube, uh, and shout-out to fucking Hugh Moore, the very funny, the very talented Hugh Moore. And um, 
That was and um. Oh, I thought you were professional. Sorry, stop saying and um. <laughs> it's the outro, bro. I'm allowed to. And uh, so shout out to uh, Hugh Moore, um, Dean Edwards, and Matt. Thanks to the man himself, Felipe Esparza, for giving me the opportunity to host the shows. Um, fucking kick ass. Which reminds me, this Friday. That's right, this Friday. Uh, uh, Friday through Sunday, uh, January 27th through the 29th, I would be, uh, I would be, I will be, uh, hosting for, uh, Felipe, um, Esparza at the Atlanta Punchline in Atlanta, Georgia. That's right, everybody, Hotlanta, home of motherfucking outcast. Oh, yeah, and the Falcons, yeah, they're kicking ass. I saw some of the game, um, against, uh, the Green Bay Packers, and we're hanging out with, uh, with my lady, me, and, uh, her cousin and her husband, and that fool was wearing a Green Bay Packers, uh, little, uh, beanie. She by the end of the game, that motherfucker threw off the beanie and shit. <laughs> no more, no more Packers beanie. They've been packed. <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, over there on a little uh, hotline tangent. So that's Friday, um, the January twenty seventh to the 29th. Uh, that's Friday, two shows. Saturday, two shows, and one show on Sunday. And you can go to the punchline dot com for tickets or call four zero four two five two five two three three to get tickets in a uh, five two three three is spelled out on your uh, touchtone dial pad as LAF. And also, uh, please subscribe to the uh, Yeah Man podcast, like and leave comments on iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, Stitcher, or wherever you uh, listen to um, podcasts. Yeah, man. So, uh, everybody, thank you very much. I'm back. We're going to keep this shit rolling. Shout out to Ben Gonzalez. Um, keep shining and happy new year. Oh, and don't forget to keep it Gucci. Yeah, man. Check out this tune. Peace out. Hey brother Christian with your high and mighty errand Your action speaks so loud I can't hear a word you're saying Hey sister bleeding hard with all of your compassion Your labors do the hurt but can't assuage temptation Science with your perfect rules of measure Can you improve this place with the data that you gather? Hey mother mercy, can your life improve forever? Is your fecundity a travel or a treasure? Your call me consecrations And I